Welcome to episode 27 of the Raw Others Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Mr. Josh Lewis, the man, the myth, the legend, everything that is rawness.com. Thank you very much for showing up, as always. Uh, just first of all, I'd like to welcome you to your Monday morning or your Monday afternoon or your Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, morning, afternoon, evening, whatever. Whenever you're listening to this, uh, thank you for stopping by. Of course, you know, you can rate this podcast on whatever channel you're listening to it on or app or whatever uh, channel. I sound like I'm 55 and have no idea how to use the internet. Uh, you can, of course, comment and, you know, uh, tell me I'm doing a horrible job. Uh, uh, say all the worst things possible or all the best things. And of course, you can still email me at josh at rawness.com to call me an asshole or call me the nicest guy in the world, whatever you'd like. So I just want to get off the, you know, off the uh, t- top of the, the uh, broadcast here, broadcast, podcast, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be taking the month of uh, the rest of the month of July and August off from the podcast. So I'm going to be taking a month. Uh, you will not hear from this podcast specifically uh, until August 31st. That will be the next episode of the Rawdest Podcast. The reason being is that I'm going to take a month, kind of regroup some things. This is the season one of the podcast, and I'm going to start a season two uh, on August 31st, which basically is, you know, going into September. Uh, so, yeah, so just mark your calendars just to remind you, and, and I will... I uh, don't know how to remind you other than that, <laughs> but um, of course, if there is something really good or important that comes up, I might just uh, slip in and do a little podcast and send it your way. Who knows? Uh, but what I want to do is is sit down for a month, actually regroup, get some things together, get some more things together, uh, market the podcast a little bit more, but also try and get some more guests. Um, and then I've got a few features, small features that I'm working on, uh, basically taking uh, a couple of the podcasts that I've done, or actually going through all the podcasts that I've done, and kind of uh, bringing you a best of. Uh, so, you know, a best of um, different commentary of people who did jobs before they got into the automotive industry, um, talking about car stuff, uh, talking about technology and whatnot. So, I want to kind of, you know, feature a little bit of that, but it's going to take me, you know, I've, each podcast has been with interviews, has been, you know, you know, an hour to two hours long. Right. So I've got to kind of go through all those podcasts, listen to every single one of them all over again and pull out the best little nuggets, uh, that you guys can listen to as a best of kind of thing. Um, so again, I will not be doing a podcast, uh, for the following Monday. Uh, the next podcast you will, you will listen to is episode or sorry, season two, episode one, uh, coming August 31st. So, uh, just, you know, continue to share the podcast if you can, if you'd like to, I'd appreciate it. Um, I have new reviews up on rawdas.com, so go check those out. I'm also going to be taking that month, uh, the next month to finish up some video reviews that I've been working on for, uh, car reviews that I've, that I've actually, uh, got to finish writing and got to finish filming and, and record, or I mean, um, uh, editing and whatnot. So, uh, not like this podcast takes a ton of my time up, you know, it's mostly just me being lazy. Uh, that I don't finish those things, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, moving on, uh, because this podcast is going to be kind of short, sweet, you know, to the, to the point kind of thing. Um, unlike most of my podcasts, 
I'm uh, just going to kind of talk about a few random things about the automotive industry and about cars in general. And, uh, and I'm going to read you a wonderful, sensual review of the 2020 Ford Mustang EcoBoost high performance package convertible that I had in to test drive. Um, but first I just, I want to mention something I thought was interesting. This news came out, uh, when did it actually come out? Uh, the other day or today, uh, July 26th. So today actually, uh, it's written by uh, Jesus Garcia, uh, for the drive. Um, if you haven't checked out, uh, Jesus and his work, uh, it's, uh, Jesus behind the wheel.com as well as on the drive. Um, really fun, uh, writer really like his stuff. I've enjoyed it for years. It was actually, interestingly enough, it was passed along to me, uh, when I had taken a little hiatus from the automotive industry, it was passed along to me by a friend named Matt Russell, um, who I'm working on getting on the podcast at the time he was, um, uh, uh, God, what was he? He was, what was he the marketing director for Cadillac V and the racing program as well uh, at the time. And he found this guy's website and sent it to me and, and we, we talked about it and how, um, interesting of a, of a writer he was. We, we liked the, we liked the material, but anyway, uh, Jesus is now working with uh, the drive. Um, congratulations to him. And, uh, he wrote a piece, sorry, I was popping my knuckle. Um, he wrote a piece about the 2021 Mercedes Benz S class will be the first production car with rear seat airbags. I found it very interesting because I, I feel like, you know, Ford are doing, um, they're doing uh, seatbelt airbags. Um, of course, we've got curtain airbags and whatnot uh, for some vehicles out there as well in the, for the rear seat, for the rear passengers. And I, I find this very interesting because this is not Mercedes' first thing that they kind of started. Um, the W, what was it? W126, right? W126, uh, let me make sure. Yep, W126 was um, the first production car to actually feature uh, a standard uh, airbag for the driver and one of the first in the world that actually had passenger side airbags in 1988. Um, and, uh, so, you know, in, um, they actually, in December of 1980 is when they actually introduced the driver side airbag, uh, and they patented it, it patented it <laughs> in 1971. Um, so this is not Mercedes first time doing, interesting safety features. I mean, not that, uh, you know, we, we look at a safety uh, belt or we look at a, you know, an airbag. We look at all these things now as typical, you know, and back then in the seventies and eighties for, you know, airbags, it was kind of crazy. Uh, and you know, of course, lap belts and safety belts in cars in the, you know, sixties and whatnot was seen as, whoa, revolutionary. Right. And, uh, now we're seeing, you know, the, the, the rise of real safety features coming to the back seats, uh, you know, to those passengers. And I think it's very interesting. I mean, Mercedes are, have always kind of been on the forefront of some of this technology, some of this, uh, safety stuff in the past. And, uh, so I, I'm really curious to see how it's actually going to work out, how big the, the front seats are actually going to be to hold a, uh, to hold an airbag. Um, and it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very cool to see, um, new technology, new features, uh, for, for safety for people. So I, I, am very, uh, very interested in seeing that. Um, so yeah, of course, go check out Jesus's stuff, uh, of course on the drive and then Jesus behind the wheel, but tell me what you think about that. Because is that, is that something you think is unnecessary? Um, I mean, I, I know from my personal experience, I'm always having to tell backseat passengers to put their seatbelts on. 
uh, because a lot of people think seem to think, and I I thought it too when I was young, like oh well you know the front seat will you know will will save me you know what do I need a, a, a seatbelt on for? But as you know, I've gotten more into this industry and also cars and a little bit older as well and more mature. You quickly realize that it's extremely dangerous to not wear a seatbelt in the back seat. It is crazy. Uh, so if, you know, I feel any any extra development of safety for the back seat is uh, is is very much so needed because I definitely know lots of people who get in the back seat and don't care about putting seatbelts on, and uh, that that worries me. That freaks me out, uh, especially with teenagers and young adults. Uh, woo, they are not interested in, in some of the safety features. And, you know, look, it, it's part of being young, right? We, we think that, oh, we're invincible. We don't have to worry about anything. I mean, you, you look at perfect example, you know, we look at the coronavirus, how younger people are, what they thought were less susceptible or um, uh, wouldn't deal with as many issues. And now we're seeing that, you know, younger people are dealing with it uh, in some different ways. And in some ways they could be carrying this disease and this virus on for, uh, for years to come in their bodies, uh, because of the effects of it, you know, and that's very interesting to me. And, um, you know, again, I applaud Mercedes Benz and, and any other car company working on safety features and, and technologies that, um, help people in the back seats. Again, Ford's doing it with the, um, the seat, the seat belts with the little airbags attached to them. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, in fact, that's actually a feature in, uh, my dad's F-150. He has a 2018 F-150 Platinum. It was in his 20, I think it was in his 2015 F-150 Platinum. He had as well, pretty positive. It was in that. Um, but anyway, moving on, um, I'm going to read you the review that I did of the 2020 Ford Mustang EcoBoost High Performance Package, or the HPP, as people are calling it. Uh, it was a convertible with a manual gearbox. Um, I really, really loved it. Um, go go look at the pictures. Go look at everything on rawdos.com because I know that you'll like it. And, uh, you know, let's just let's get into it. Let's talk about it. For three years and eight months, I owned a 2015 Ford Mustang GT with Performance Package. Black leather Recaros navigation, and of course, a six-speed manual transmission. My car was painted in guard. It was a green color, a color that resembles dark Highland green of the Bullet Mustang, and was only available in 2015. I worked with Ford to order it specifically how I wanted it. I loved my car. I sold it to my brother so that I could buy an unpurchased, brand new 2017 GT350 in August of 2018. Last year, my brother sold that car to a close family friend who had always tried to buy it from me. Sadly, a few months ago, a car ran a red light and at 60 miles per hour plowed into Alley, my 2015 GT. The car was totaled, but both occupants had nothing more than burn marks from the airbags along with bruises from the seatbelts. The first Mustang I ever owned was a new 2008 Bullet. Not that half of that story matters when reading the review of a 2020 Mustang EcoBoost high performance package, but I offer up that information to show that I know how a Mustang should drive and feel. And while I have only owned V8 Mustangs, I, unlike what seems many Mustang faithful, don't have a problem with a V6 or four cylinder under the hood. If it goes well and handles properly, what's under the hood doesn't bug me in most cases. 
This car goes like hell and handles far better than a convertible should. With the high performance package, you start out optioning a standard EcoBoost or EcoBoost Premium car and add $4,995 to check the 2.3 liter high performance package EcoBoost engine options. This effectively squeezes in the 350 horsepower and 350 pound-feet of torque monster from the now-deceased Ford Focus RS. However, while this Mustang still makes 350 pound-feet of torque, it is only able to produce 330 horsepower from the factory. Ford say that 90% of that extra torque is felt between 2500 and 5300 RPM. 100% peak torque happens at 3000 RPM, with a red line of 6500. But I recommend shifting between 5000 and 5500. More on that later. Also, all of the power and torque figures are if you're using premium gasoline. It is nice to know, though, that all Mustangs can run on as low as 87 octane, albeit with a reduction in power and torque. You can spec your car with either a 10-speed automatic or a 6-speed manual. Yes, it is the MT82 that Ford have a current class action lawsuit going on. However, I should note that I had zero issues with the manual in my 2015 Mustang GT over a period of 54,000 miles before I sold it. And my press car also had no issues in the one week I reviewed it. My test car came as a convertible with black cloth seats. And along with the $4,995 HPP box include or ticked, it had the $2,000 101A equipment group that has a nine-speaker sound system, sync three, selectable drive modes with toggle switches, power seats, dual-zone climate control, two USB ports, backup sensors, and Sirius XM, along with a few things that don't apply on the HPP, such as all-season 235 by 50 uh, R18 tires with 18-inch machined face aluminum wheels and a body-colored deck lid spoiler. This brings the total to $39,755. Adding an automatic adds an extra $1,595, which is more reason why you should stick with the manual. If you'd prefer to not allow your stench to escape the roof, with the same options, an HPP coupe drops the price to $34,255. Then you're able to add the $1,995 EcoBoost handling package, which gives you 19-inch low-gloss ebony black painted wheels, Pirelli Corsa 4 summer tires, Magna Ride suspension, upgraded brakes, and a 355 rear axle with Torsen limited slip differential. That brings the total to $36,250, which is less than the convertible I tested. Should you opt for the coupe to get the handling package? I'll discuss that more below. AAA tested numerous cars for fuel economy and power increases when going from 87 to 93 octane. One of the cars they used was a 2017 Mustang GT. They got a baseline power and torque figures on a dyno with premium full... <laughs> with premium fuel, the car made 1.6% more power and 1.8% more torque, but with a marginal increase in mid-range. Opening either of the doors is typical Mustang, and sliding in the seat, again, it's a Mustang. As I mentioned, my test car came with cloth seats, but if you have hairy pets, I'll say you should think about opting for the leather seats. Firstly, because any hair that's on your clothes is now embedded into the cloth seat you're sitting in. I have two cats and two dogs. Rest in peace to my clothes and any cloth I sit on. Secondly, while the seats are comfortable and work well for daily duties, I notice that as the twisties get sharper and harder, you'll be pulling yourself back into the optimal seating position after you're out of the corner. For me, the bolsters just weren't as up to the task. It should be noted that both my 2015 GTPP and current 2017 GT350 had and have Recaros. I love saying uh, GTPP 
it always GTPP always sounds dumb and kind of funny. Makes me laugh like a giddy little schoolboy. Once you're inside, engaging clutch, engaging the clutch is typical Mustang and a little soft for my taste, which is why in my 2015 I took the clutch return spring out, giving the clutch a more heavier, tighter feel and less oversprung kickback. Starting the EcoBoost HPP releases a tone that isn't a Mustang. It crackles to life in a low, meaty way that would make you think you were in a Focus RS if you were wearing a blindfold. But I wouldn't recommend wearing a blindfold and getting behind the wheel of any car. I'm not sure I'd even recommend doing it as a passenger, uh, as it could be a bit traumatizing. Sounding like a Focus RS is a good thing, but it's an even better thing that it gives an eargasm while driving like a Mustang. The shifter slides into first easily, and rowing through the gears is no different than any other non-Shelby Mustang. The upcoming Mach 1 will use the Shelby GT350's Tremec TR3160 with a light but direct throw in each gear as you get rolling. The ride of the EcoBoost High Performance Package is compliant and not too bouncy over rough surfaces. I would love to see what the extra handling package would do to this car, but I suspect that with the convertible it would be a little bit too uncomfortable. However, at no time did I think this drop-top EcoBoost needed any more in the handling department. Tipping the scales at 3,758 pounds, the HPP EcoBoost doesn't feel as heavy in everyday driving. I honestly thought it would have been about 200 fewer pounds. It feels nimble on initial turn-in, the front end being lighter than the V8 by a little, and it, and it hides the weight well when pushed hard through corners. This doesn't surprise me too much though, as my 2015 GT felt lighter the harder you drove it, and it weighed 3,704 pounds, similar to this EcoBoost convertible. This is no doubt a lesson they learned dissecting BMW M cars over the years. It's weird for me to look down and see between 22 and 24 miles per gallon as my average fuel economy for a tank of fuel. My GT averaged 18.5 miles per gallon over 54,000 miles, and my Shelby averages 17.4 in just over 16,000 miles. The EPA estimates the Mustang EcoBoost HPP achieves 20 city and 27 highway respectively with the six-speed manual for a combined of 23 miles per gallon. The 10-speed automatic only gets one mile per gallon better on the highway. So when faced with the decision of automatic or manual, just choose the manual. The harder you drive, the more fun this car is. I was surprised how little flex and roll there was in the chassis and body when you were absolutely getting on it. The tighter the twisties get, the more you enjoy the experience. Sure, I doubt it's as tight as the coupe, especially when with the optional handling pack. But no one this side of a professional racing driver or chassis engineer will tell much of a difference. Not enough of one to take this car off your short list to buy anyway. And when you are really ragging on it, heel and towing is easy, although the stock clutch is too springy for my taste, like I said earlier. Coming out of a corner, the tires grip well. The car stays planted. You can get the rear to wiggle, but more so if you want it to. It's easily controlled with your right foot, and steering is direct and well-weighted, even for an electronic system. Ford have done a really good job here. From a dig, the car really hooks up and takes off with maybe a little drama depending on your launching skills. There is a healthy amount of power and torque down low, and in almost every situation, the speed of the car feels about on par with my 2015 GT, which had 435 horsepower and 400 pound-feet of torque. Just make sure that whether you're in a straight line or driving the hell out of the corners to shift before 5,500 RPM. Otherwise, you hit the wall where you feel like you're not gaining any speed. 
Funny, because even though my 2015 GT had a 6,500 RPM redline, like the EcoBoost HPP, shifting before 5,500 was absolutely ideal. And they are more similar than you think, since they share a gearbox and the exact same ratios. Driving with the windows up and the top down, it is easy to have a conversation with your front passenger, but the stereo system does not cope well when the top is dropped. Even with nine speakers, the sound is completely lost. With the top up, I can report that it is very much like most other soft top convertibles. A little noisier, which is to be expected. But I would definitely recommend keeping the top down as often as possible, simply because of that meaty turbo for goodness as the exhaust crackles and pops when slowing down and downshifting. And by the way, this is just for you radio people listening. Genuinely, when you downshift or get on the brakes or just let off the gas i mean it really does crackle and pop loudly and it is really glorious it is a fantastic sound it it just 100 puts you in mind of uh of a focus rs which is just it's a glorious thing to see living on even without the focus rs here um so it, it's it's weird at first because you get in a car and you think God, that sounds like a Focus RS. That doesn't sound like a Mustang. And when you drive it, you're like, well, this feels like a Mustang, but it still doesn't sound like one. You know, it goes like one, but it just doesn't sound like it. And that's good. It's it's very unique and special. Anyway, moving on, moving on, moving on. I'd like to take a quick second to talk about some of the things I didn't like. One, I would prefer to have seen the calipers painted, even as an option. Uh, they are a nice size for the wheels, and they should be shown off. Two, the controls on the steering wheel are reversed from how they are on my 2017 Shelby and my 2015 GT. The volume and track control used to be on the right, and now it's on the left. Now, that isn't really all, you know, at all the end of the world. It's just something that would take me a minute to get used to. That's all. I posted on the Mustang subreddit a photo of the EcoBoost HPP Mustang, and the question I got that every car reviewer gets, quote, would you buy it with your own money, end quote. So would I? Yes. Even though my current daily is a 2017 GT350, I wouldn't hesitate to add a, a high-performance package Mustang EcoBoost to my stable, maybe even as a convertible. But why have two Mustangs? Well, both cars are so radically different. The heart and soul of the Focus RS lives on in the sounds and some of the emotions of this Mustang, while the GT350 is what I call the poor man's 911 GT3 or a GT3 starter kit. The 2020 Mustang EcoBoost HPP is the rawest non-V8 factory Mustang you'll drive. And if you do take your head out of your ass and say it's okay that it isn't a V8, then maybe you'll understand its unique sense of purpose and enjoyment that makes it more fun for not being a V8. If you're in the market for a used Mustang GT, check out the EcoBoost High Performance Package. And if you're looking for a new Mustang, I don't see how this one can disappoint. It's what the EcoBoost should have been from the start. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that uh, a little review of the Mustang EcoBoost. I really, really did enjoy driving the car. Uh, my wife and I, neither one of us are convertible people, but man, was it fun to drive. Really, really fun to drive. I loved it. Loved, just had a really great time on the back roads. Put the top down, the weather was so nice. Oh man, it was great. It rained a couple times, you know, a couple days here, but that's okay because we were driving it. Then we, you know, we're stopped at a stoplight or something like that. And we put up the the uh, the top. No big deal. I'll tell you, you can really hammer on that thing and really have a great time. 
it's a lot of fun. There were some tight corners, especially, you know, going through some of the corners here in uh, North Carolina, some of the tighter corners where you, uh, you know, you have to put your blinker on to turn left or right and you drop it down in a second. It just, you know, boom, it just absolutely roars to life. And, you know, there's this pop and this crackle sound and you can find the apex easily with the new Mustangs. I really like that. The, the front end is, is eager to turn in. Um, you, and, and when you do get, you know, into the apex and you, you know, really put the power down, you're able to actually control what's happening for, for a car that is for lack of a better term cheap. Cause it's not cheap. It's not, it's, it's still pretty expensive, but for what it can do for the value, for the price, there was not a moment where I thought that my Mustang GT, the, the 2015 I had, would absolutely walk away from this car. At no point did I feel that way. Now, the convertible, you know, as you're rolling, you know, the convertible would would hold up pretty well. But in the corners, of course, my GT would be a little bit faster, a little bit better. Um, but coupe to coupe, you know, performance package to uh, high performance package on the EcoBoost, I I don't see where the my 2015 GT would really, you know, be just absolutely steps ahead of this car. I don't see it. The 2018 GT, different story. You know, 2018 to current, you know, more horsepower. You know, what, 460, 465 horsepower? You know, much better power delivery in, in numerous ways. Um, better handling in some ways, I'm sure. I uh, haven't driven them back to back to really be able to tell if there's much of a difference at all. Um, but the 2018 to current GT is genuinely faster than my 2015. But that's the thing. If you're looking for a, a, a Mustang GT, you know, you're going to spend right near EcoBoost money. So why not take a look at the HPP? genuinely I think you'll really like it um better on gas I mean you know when you're going from my GT having 18 and a half miles per gallon average over 54,000 miles um and then this I was averaging easily 22 I mean sure if you're getting on it you're really hammering on it you're you know you might get 18 or 20 um but if I was really hammering on my 15 I was getting like 15, <laughs> you know, 15, 16 miles to the gallon. So when you're talking about, you know, three, four miles to the gallon better in every day driving and performance is easily on par, easily on par, coupe to coupe, straight line, whether from a dig, a roll or in the corners, the GT is just not walking away from, them. you know, it's, it's not, it's not so, so much faster. It's, Sure, it's a better car in numerous ways because throttle response is better. Um, power delivery is going to be a little bit better because it's a V8. You know, it's taking a little bit more air. Doesn't need the turbos to breathe, right? Uh, but it's, I don't know. I, I really, I would really be shocked if the GT had more than, I don't know, had more than half a car length, you know, in performance on the uh maybe a car length at most you know manual to manual maybe i, I don't know i it i just didn't feel like the t- you know when i was driving the the convertible especially getting on the highway highway speeds you know 
Um, I I felt like power delivery was was quite good. Torque was there when you when you needed it. Um, yeah, it was a strong car. Really is. It's comfortable, easy to drive. Now, granted, with the coupe, you get 13 and a half uh, cubic feet of trunk space. With the convertible, you get 11.4. Uh, so you lose 2.1 cubic feet. But, you know, that's really not bad. I mean, considering you, you go to a Camaro uh, convertible. God, what is a Camaro convertible? Um, let me actually look it up while I'm talking to you guys. Um, there we go. Let's see here. Uh, 7.3 cubic feet of trunk space in a Camaro convertible. Oh my God, that's horrid. Jesus, I think an SL Mercedes has more than that. And the coupe, the damn Camaro coupe only has 9.1 cubic feet. And by the way, have you ever opened up the trunk of a Camaro? Holy shit. Good luck fitting anything in that. I mean, I, good God, the hole. The, it's it's so tiny. It's, it's such a small area to try and put anything in. Um... Yeah, that's ew, that's bad. Let's see what an SL550 uh, trunk space is. Let's see. SL550 trunk space. Uh, of course, uh, Google doesn't have it just pop up. So I don't know why I thought of the SL550, but we'll see here. Uh, cargo. Wow. SL Mercedes provides 13 and a half cubic feet of trunk space. Oh, with the top raised. Okay, that's why I was like, wait, uh, eight and a half cubic feet with the with the uh, top lowered. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, my mom's had a bunch of SLs over the years, um, including. Uh, uh, wait, she's not had this generation of SL, which is kind of weird because usually she has every generation. Uh, al- I mean, almost she she loves them. Um, surprised that they haven't gotten this one. Nice car, you know, good good car. Johnny Lieberman and I talked about it actually uh, has no business being this good. Um, so yeah, but again, as a convertible car, if you like to put the top down, if you like to, uh, you know, to let your, uh, your pits hang out and let them uh, get some fresh air, the EcoBoost high performance package convertible is good. And, and I mean, even the regular EcoBoost Mustang isn't terrible. I don't think it's a terrible car. It's about 310 horsepower or 320 horsepower, 300 and some odd pound feet of torque. Um, I think it's a good car. I like it. Uh, this high performance package is just a, this, this takes the place of the 2015 to 2017 GT. So in 2018, when they made the GT even faster, um, I mean, even faster, the, there was kind of like there, there's that middle ground where the EcoBoost was still not crazy quick. I mean, it was it was it was good. It was decent. It would definitely challenge an older uh, GT from like 2010, 2012. Um, but it, you know, it wasn't challenging. Uh, definitely was not uh, challenging a, a, fift, a 2015 GT like mine. So this kind of fills that gap. You know, I mean, it's no different from Mercedes and AM, or I mean, AMG and BMW with their, you know, little uh, half AMG, half M car kind of thing where they just put the badge on it and a decent motor in it. It's no different than that. Not a full fledged, you know, badass car, but it is really, it's a really nice middle car, middle ground car. So, yeah, I don't see where 40 grand pricey, pricey. 
but I don't think it's a bad price. I don't think it's a bad, because I don't think it's a bad value. I think there's, there's good performance for the dollar in that car. So yeah. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to end it there. You guys will hear from me again in a month. Um, so remember August 31st will be the next raw Autos podcast. And you know, by the way, continue to share this podcast. I really appreciate the, the fact that some of you have been, um, it shows, uh, and I can't wait to come back with more better content. You guys will actually be able to enjoy even more so than, than currently. Um, I will have plenty of great stuff coming up, but as always, well, I can't really tell you that, you know, every Monday morning when you wake up, put some good old fashioned folders in your coffee cup because, you know, and listen to the Rodas podcast because, uh, you won't be able to listen to me for a few weeks. So when you wake up every Monday morning, put some good old fashioned freeze dried folders in your coffee cup and send the Raw Autos podcast to someone else to listen to that hasn't listened to it before. And of course, go to rawautos.com. And as always, happy motoring.